may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am MHC Jacobson with NM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions in the comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah.gmail.com, and of course, I will answer as many as I can. So if you're following along and you listen to the last show, you know, I was just up north with my kids, really an amazing, amazing uh, vacation. Again, what's amazing was the good time had by all, the bonding, the togetherness, because that's an important thing. You know, there's a lot of families out there that unfortunately, you know, the siblings just don't see eye to eye so well. And there's bickering and fighting and people don't get along. And and I can only imagine, but there's so many stories of, you know, parents that suffer um, when their children fight. They suffer. My wife tells me all the time, she says, you know, as parents, you know, it's our responsibility to help the children get along. If there's something going on, one by the other, one did something, sometimes we cannot just stand back and watch. They, they they could still be children, no matter what their age, and they may need help in, uh, in, in just loving each other again, I guess is the best uh, term I could use. So when we go away for a weekend with the kids, part of the idea is we want everyone to get along. We want everyone to build a beautiful relationship together. And that relationship only helps them more as they get older and they get married and they get out in the world and they have their own families. Your, your family, you know, everybody has friends. Right? Don't get me wrong. Everybody has friends. But if you think um, when, when you're stuck and you need help, if you think it's the friend that's going to bail you out, they might. But it will always be family that will stick behind you as long as you treat your family like family. Right? If you if you ignore them, if you have nothing to do with them, if you're not nice to them, what do you think you're going to get back in return? And that I think is really um, the focus of this week's Torah portion. This week's Torah portion is Tetzaveh, and in this week's Torah portion, we talk about first of all the clothes that the priest and the high priest would wear, and we actually talk about the creation of the, or the inauguration might be a better term, of the Kohanim. In other words, in the tribes, there's 12 tribes, there is no tribe called priest. There is no tribe called Kohen. Where did the Kohen come from? So what happens is God tells Moses that you are going to anoint your brother Aaron and his four sons, right? None of you, Allah's only summer, and none of you don't last long, they die coming up in a couple weeks from now. You're going to anoint them and Aaron and his children. From them, their descendants will all be the Kohanim. You can't buy your way in. You can't study your way in. You can't go to school to make your way in. This is a very exclusive club. 
You can't be a convert to get in. You, you, there's no earning. It just is. As a matter of fact, it's interesting enough, at the very end of the Torah portion, the, it uh, talks about the building of the golden um, altar, the Mizbeh Hazav. Even though in last week's Torah portion, we talked about the, the ark and the table for the showbread, the shulchan and the menorah, and uh, the outside altar and the mishkan and the, the curtains and the walls, but we actually didn't discuss the golden Mizbeah, the golden altar, which was in the in the holies, in the Kodesh, in the Mishkan, in the tabernacle, because that vessel represents the Kohanim, represents the priests. And interesting enough, it had a little, what was called a golden crown, like a little ledge that went up around the edge. And uh, we talk about that there's the crown of the priests, there is the crown of kingship, and there is the crown of Torah. And the crown of Torah is considered the most valuable because it's the only one you can earn. As I, to be a king, you got to be born into King David's family. Right? By the Jewish people, you don't get to usurp, usurp if that's the right word, uh, the kingship and become king. Kings have to come from David. And priests have to come from Aaron. But Torah? Anybody can get Torah. So again, just to... We're just focusing on this point. To be a Kohen, you had to be born into it. In other words, the first ones that God set up was Aaron is for children, and everybody else afterwards has to be descended from them. There's one exception, but even that exception was a grandchild. The exception is Pinchas. Pinchas is the son of Elazar. Elazar is the son of Aaron. So Pinchas is a grandchild, but he was born before, he's already alive at this point when the Kohanim are being started. And it says Aaron and his sons, anybody born afterwards. But Pinchas was already alive. So I guess God knew, I don't guess that part, but um, God knew that Pinchas would earn it later. He wanted him to earn the right to be a Kohen. So Pinchas is the exception that he earns the right to be a Kohen, but the fact of the matter is he's anyways part of their family. He just was born earlier, so he earns it later. Fine. But otherwise, you can't buy your way in. So now with that piece of information, that you can't buy your way in, and that it's Aaron and his sons are the Kohanim, so let's think for a second. Moses is the leader. Moses is the one that, that leads the charge to, to the Pharaoh and the cross the Red Sea. God gives the tablets, the Torah, to Moses. God is talking to Moses. God is saying Moses every word in the Torah. Why don't the Kohanim come from Moses? Why are they coming from Aaron? Now, it is true that Aaron has a certain attribute that is that he is the king of, and that is his his ability, his love for every Jew, and his, and his innate ability to create peace between people. That Aaron was the best. He was the he was sort of the first and the best. So great. But at the end of the day, you would think that Moses should be the priest. It should come from him. It should come from his family. Why is he going to his brother? No, it's so it's it's Moses' nephews. But the priests do not come from Moses. Why? So first we have to back up. 
when God introduces himself to Moses, after Moses has to escape Egypt and he makes his way in the desert, eventually makes his way to the city of Midian, or the country of Midian, and he's by the well, and uh, Jethro, Yisro's daughters, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, they're out there with their sheep, and the shepherds chase them away, and Moses saves them, and he waters their sheep, and, and they get home early, and Yisro says, uh, how'd you get home so early? He said, oh, some guy, looked like an Egyptian, he saved us. So he says, well, bring it. I have seven daughters. Like, why don't you bring him back? Maybe he'll marry one of you. So they bring him in, and he, he gets to marry Tzipora, and then he's a shepherd for Yisro, and in the course of a shepherd, God is ready to tell Moses it's time to go back to Egypt. And uh, that's the story of the burning bush, right? Moses sees this bush, and it's on fire, and it's, a, and it's burning, and it's a huge fire, but thorns usually just disintegrate. They don't last in fire very long, for those who experimented. And the bush is burning, but it's not getting consumed. So Moses wants to check it out. He checks it out. Then he sees the angel. Then God appears. And for a whole week, God is fighting with Moses that Moses should go down and take the Jews out of Egypt that Moses doesn't want. And God has to argue with him. And at the end, um, God says, that's it. I've answered all your questions. You're the man. You're going. And then Moses says a very interesting phrase. You see, Moses has been out of Egypt for, I don't know, 60 years, 60 plus years. And somehow Moses knew, and originally Moses' father, Amram, was the leader in Egypt of the Jewish people. And Aaron, Aaron is Moses' older brother. So he's been the leader all this time since Moses' father died. So yeah, I don't know how Moses knows that his brother Aaron is the leader. Maybe he got letters. I I mean, Aaron doesn't know where he is. But in any case, Moses knows that Aaron is the leader. So Moses says to God, I can't go. I can't can't go take the Jewish people out. My brother Aaron will be jealous. He'll be upset. Here I am. I come waltzing in. He's been the leader all these years. And here I am to save the day. And Aaron, you did a great job, and we're very proud of you. But now it's my turn. God says, I'm taking over. Moses, I can't do that to my brother. God gets angry at Moses. And it says, whenever God gets angry at someone, there's a punishment. And he says, I know your brother Aaron um, is the is the, is the Levite. I know. And uh, he's going to be happy to see you. And there's a lot of stuff that goes on in that verse. In other words, God is telling Moses, you are accusing your brother Aaron of being jealous of you. He will not be jealous. He is not a jealous person. He will be happy for you. But because you uh, you you suggested that your brother will be jealous and you're not listening to me when I said the conversation's over, so... Because of this situation, two things are happening. You are losing the opportunity to be high priest. And that opportunity means that not only you won't be the high priest, but all your future generations will be regular Levites. They will not be the priests. And your brother Aaron, because he is not a jealous person, because your brother Aaron is not a jealous person, he merits to become the high priest and wear the breastplate 
and certainly all the other garments. So it, it, it becomes fascinating, right? In other words, um, Moses could have been the high priest, and he lost it, right? In other words, he was afraid that his brother would be jealous, and it was just the opposite. Aaron was very happy for Moses. And as when Moses comes down, so God sends Aaron a message, and Aaron comes out, and he tells, and he, he shows Moses, so, and he really truly is happy for Moses that he's taking over, right? He is not jealous, not one iota. And even the fact that Aaron will accompany Moses every time he goes to Pharaoh, that's because Moses kept telling God, I can't do it myself. I need somebody who could speak, and I have a speech impediment, and I can't do it. So I'll go, and you'll talk to me, and then I'll talk to my brother Aaron, and Aaron will speak to Pharaoh. Fine. What's amazing is that there's a famous verse that King David writes in Psalms. He says, how beautiful it is when brothers dwell together. And then it says there's the anointing oil, and it drips down on his beard. And the question is, whose beard? Because it's a, like a plural. So it's, it's, it seems the oil, the anointing oil, actually went into Aaron's beard, and it, but it stayed there. And it was like this, these shining little, little droplets, like two beautiful droplets. And the Medrash says, since the verse says the word beard twice, it tells me not only... Is, is 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 Aaron's beard like shining, but Moses' beard is also shining. Why? Because Moses has that same um, meter, that same attribute, that same goodness, that he's not jealous. He's just happy. So fascinating. Moses should have been the Kohen. He should have been the high priest. All priesthood should have come from Moses. Moses... Um, suggests that Aaron will be jealous. God says he's not jealous at all, but because you're still arguing with me, so Aaron will become the high priest. But now, now Moses could be jealous because I was supposed to have it. And uh, and I lost it. Right, so maybe I'm jealous. So so this Medrash is telling me that not only that Aaron who earns it because he's not jealous, but Moses remains happy for his brother even though he really, really lost something that's... Uh, he lost the the ticket into the exclusive club. He lost the ticket to create that exclusive club. So as interesting is if you think about it, um, so both Moses and Aaron have this amazing ability to not be jealous. And I think that ability to not be jealous, it is really showcased in all the different garments that the high priest will wear. Now, is this that Aaron has the ability um, to not be jealous is why he deserved to wear all the different garments of the high priest. And as we said in the last show, all these garments that the high priest would wear would, would create a forgiveness um, for different sins. And if you think about it, all these sins really go back, or maybe they're root, if you think about it. All these things are rooted in jealousy. So I, I want to go through quickly um, all the different clothes that the high priest would wear. Because I want to do it last show and I didn't get to even start. I mean, I started. But we'll look at all these different garments 
and we'll look at what they forgive, and then we'll we'll recognize that they're all based on jealousy. A lot of a lot of meanness, a lot of pettiness, a lot of things. When you see somebody and you don't like who and how this person is and how they act, um, a lot of the problems will come from jealousy. And let's uh, let's take it apart, right? So, for example, for example, <clears throat> we have the shirt, right? The shirt um, is is a forgiveness for murder. What is it? What does the shirt have to do with murder? So, Joseph, when the brothers first threw Joseph into the pit, and then they they uh, they they sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites, and he was eventually sold down to Egypt, right? So, and they would have killed Joseph, right? It was just uh, uh, Judah comes along and says, let's not kill him, let's sell him. Um, but they took his shirt and they dipped it in blood, right? Because they really, really wanted to kill him, right? And they bring the shirt to Jacob and say, uh, we don't know what happened. You recognize this shirt, right? So this shirt, right, which forgives um, for the crime of murder, right? Um, why did the brothers want to kill Joseph? <laughs> Very simple. Because they were jealous. Now again, we're talking about great, great people. Don't get me wrong. We're talking about the greatest of the great. And we don't understand what it means that they were jealous. And we don't understand exactly what they were jealous of. Part, partly what they were jealous of was that Jacob did all his Torah study with Joseph. Right? The brothers were jealous that Joseph wanted to to have the Jewish people come from him, and the brothers could sort of join up if they want, but really the Jewish people come from Joseph. There's a lot of stuff going on. But but murder, a lot of times, will come from jealousy, right? And that's about a bank robber, right? The bank robber doesn't want to kill anybody, but when we find people actually plan on killing somebody, most of the time the plan on killing came from jealousy, right? Um, there's a hat, Right? There's a, the hat that the high priest wore. It was a turban. There's a turban that the priest wore. There's a turban that the high priest wore. It's just a different style turban. But in any case, uh, that turban would forgive haughtiness. Right? Haughtiness, we, it's in our head. Right? If I'm a, if I'm a balgaiv is the Hebrew word. If I'm a haughty person, right, I lord over you. I think I'm better than you. Right? So a lot of it, why, why am I lording over you? Why am I trying to strut around like I am better than you? Generally speaking, if I have the need to show that I'm better than you, it's probably because I'm jealous of you. In other words, there must be something that I'm missing in my self-confidence that forces me to be haughty. And generally speaking, its root is going to be rooted in jealousy. Right? So again, we're, we're talking about that Aaron ha- is the opposite. He doesn't have a jealous bone in him. It is nothing. He could have been jealous of his brother Moses taking over. So Aaron is not jealous. So he's going to wear all these different garments that, the, that will create a forgiveness for a multitude of sins. But all those sins really are going to be based on a certain level of jealousy. Let's uh, let's try another one. So the pants, right? They had the pants, right? So the pants was a forgiveness for um, illicit relationships, right? Uh, 
to marry somebody, uh, a married lady, right? And and, I, and you gotta wonder: is this does this also come into jealousy? It could, right? I know there's probably a lot of people out there that uh, they are. Now this is in the Torah, right? The Torah says, "Don't be jealous of your friend's wife." Now, as you're jealous, your friend is married to this person because you probably just see the outside and you think she's the best thing ever and how come he gets to marry her and how come you can't marry her and you'll do whatever it takes to, as they say, get into her pants. And in the end, afterwards, it wasn't even worth it because it was all based on jealousy. It wasn't based on anything real. Okay. Um, Another interesting one is the belt. There was this belt that was just wrapped around. It wasn't a belt hold of a pair of pants. It was just a belt that went around, and it, generally speaking, the belt had to be over the heart. That's called the avnate that went over the heart. And the reason it went over the heart is because its purpose was to deal with impure thoughts, right? In other words, that, which is, again, it's to a certain extent, dealing with impure thoughts is almost an impossibility, but at least... When I'm wearing the belt, right? So the belt should remind me, right, that I don't have to, I don't have to feed the fire, right? Of and as the impure thoughts is things I want. I, I want to do something that would be not appropriate. Why do I want to do these things that are not appropriate? Because I've seen them, and I want them, and I must have them. And believe it or not, that also gets into this jealousy. Jealousy, you know, it's a, it's a verse, it's, it's one of the Ten Commandments, right? You're not allowed to be jealous. You shouldn't want your neighbors. We just talked about your neighbor's wife, your, your neighbor's stuff, right? Jealousy comes from that I believe I deserve stuff. I believe I should have stuff, and I am unhappy that I don't have it, right? In other words, when we talk about how do you tell a person not be jealous, right? How do you tell a kid don't be jealous that uh, that this guy got something you didn't get? And I was just by uh, bar mitzvah. So interesting. So someone's they're serving the desserts, and immediately one of the one of the younger siblings, maybe the kid was four or five, right? I said, "Oh, ha!" Like now, and they're trying to have speakers going on, and he's announcing, "Oh, how come I didn't get? Where's mine? Like, where's mine? Like, how come I didn't get it?" It's almost impossible, right? In other words, we all think we deserve stuff. We all want stuff. We think we deserve it. And therefore, we will murder because of it. We will take stuff that doesn't belong to us because of it. But then the question becomes, if that's our nature, so how could it be in one of the Ten Commandments that you tell me that I'm not allowed to be jealous? Like, how could you do that? So, and we've talked about this in the past, and I think this, there's multiple answers to this, but one of the answers that I happen to like is if I recognized that everything I have is because this is what God wants me to have, if I live with an attitude that I have exactly what I'm supposed to have because this is what God wants me to have, everything I have God gave me because it's good for me. And as who I am and what I am, the things God gives me, that's where I need to be. So that I can't be jealous that you have this stuff. God doesn't want me to have it. <laughs> I was talking with a group of friends last night. They just read some article that uh, I think it's Jeff Bezos. He has some $450 million yacht. I, I can't even fathom. Like, I can't say I'm jealous of him. It is so beyond 
um, my level of, of understanding. I'm not jealous of him. I, I don't even relate to it. Anyways, the story was that wherever they built, they're building this um, yacht in, in, in uh, I guess, the Netherlands or something. So it seems there's a problem. There's a bridge. No, in Amsterdam. There's a problem that there's a bridge in the way. So the only way to get the boat um, out of the harbor, they're going to have to, like, dismantle the bridge. So I just thought that was an interesting story, but I'm not jealous of him. Right? That's, not, that's not even in a realm of possibility. So if we always looked at it that way, if God wants me to have it, then God will give it to me. If he doesn't want me to have it, then I won't have it. Then what am I jealous for? Right? So, and there goes the music. At least we got through some of the vessels and this concept of brotherly love for those in Philly. Right? But the music is playing. I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you, of course, to all my wonderful sponsor listeners. You know, I can't do it without you. Thank you for the production team. We have David Sisko and Andy in the back. I hope I've left you some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Toro on NRM Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it.